people who wanted to join this discussion today. Um, it's quite a sensitive, but also an interesting discussion to have amongst young people. Um, and this is particularly the issue regarding mental health. Um, but most importantly, this issue on this topic is not centered primarily on the issue of just our mental state, but also dwelling in on some of the issues that relate to our mental state as young people. Um, as some of you have seen some of the subtopics, um, I'm hoping each of you can contribute and in sharing what you know, your views, and where you may differ with others, uh, because this obviously these kind of discussions are where we try to inform and see how other people think, because obviously we don't live in our silos and we have different points of views and different experiences as young black people. Um, but great. So I think where we can start off is, um, as one of the interesting things is that we're in a unique year, unlike any other year. And maybe at the start of the discussion, we can talk about 2020. Um, as you are all aware that we are in a pandemic, we're in a lockdown, there's a virus going about. And I wanna see what's your take in terms of your mental state in 2020. If you could give us a brief understanding individually how exactly you would describe your mental state within this year. I mean, we're halfway into the year and I'd like to see how each of you think of the year so far. Um, so let me, let me start with Letu, and then we can just go through as we just progress more into the discussion. So Letu, let's start with you. Just give us a highlight of exactly of how you perceive 2020 and how it's affecting you. Uh, you didn't give me a chance to think about that one. Um, <laughs> so um, 2020 for... Um, your... It, 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 I don't know how to explain it. Very In that you you know the year starts and you plan out your life. You plan this what you want to do, and then boom, there's a pandemic, and then you have to go back to the drawing board now and like make new plans all over again. You know. Um, but I'd say with this pandemic, what it has brought is, is, is it's allowed me to like recenter myself um, and really, really, so normally what I usually do is, you know, picking up every year, we set goals, whatever, um, without really understanding where I am and like, like without being realistic with where I am at that point in time. So what this pandemic has done, it's sort of recentered myself, allowed me to reset myself and brought me back to where I am and, and opened my eyes to um, understanding what I need to do um, to stay sane and, and, and um, just live, you know? It, it's made me more self-aware um, of both the negative and the bad and the good, you know? Like it's it made me a whole lot more self-aware and I guess it's it's just made me discover myself more. Um mostly the pandemic. And I think that's the good that I can take out of it this year. Um I know that you know what, it's it's when you make goals, for instance, you can't just 
say I want to do this. You can't you can't set unrealistic goals um, without being aware of where you are at that point in time. So, twenty twenty has been quite a different year for me. And sometimes I'm I, I get shocked. I'm just like I think to myself, and I'm just like I can't believe this. this these are the times we're living in. Like, who would have thought last year that this is where we'd be at this point in time? Everything else. So it, it's been both a good, a good and a bad experience, but I think I'm, I'm, I'm at a point where um, just taking the good out of it and um, dealing with the bad. Yeah. Okay, great. Thanks, Leto. And I know, Kay, you raised your hand. Um, obviously, I'm assuming you want to also speak on the year 2020, or is that in a different regard? Switch on your mic, yeah. <laughs> up guys um can you hear me i'm gonna put my headset on uh for me uh, 2020 has been very great it has exposed a lot of relationships it has exposed a lot of about my character um and in terms of that i actually now get to think properly now as opposed to living in an ideal world where everything was great um you get to realize that look man uh, stuff can just turn around you know you can make plans but you can never go according to plans and i mean it's also improve my mental capability, you know, all the Netflix I've been watching, all the series that I've just been watching and then absorbing in my head. It made me realize that I can learn a lot from what I've seen. And um, it actually got to show the type of character that I have, you know, especially now that I'm at home and I'm doing nothing. And during that lockdown period, I asked myself, what am I going to do? Am I going to exercise? Am I going to read more? And yeah, I, I guess it, it get, to, get to show me how to, how I actually have developed as a person. So all in all, it's been good for me. And um, I think I'm actually in a better place than I was when I was working in a stressful environment, day in, day out. I actually got to rest and spend time with family. So for me, it's, it's been good. Yeah. Okay. Um, maybe let's have two more people on this and then you can also progress the conversation. Mongezi, I know you raised your hand. Um, yes. Share with us. Yeah. Yeah, uh, just as a disclaimer, I, I am drinking water. So if you see me raising my cup from time to time, it's actually water. Although I'd wish for it to be something else, but it's just water. <laughs> well, for me, for me, 2020 has been, I don't know if you guys are aware of uh, uh, Lord Charles Dickinson's quote, uh, The Tale of Two Cities. Well, for me, 2020 has been, when it's high, it's really been high. And when it's low, it's, it's, uh, it's really, really, really low. Um, I mean, uh, 2020 marked the, the birth of my son and the birth of my, of my, of my career, really. Uh, I think my career has, has uh, somewhat been established and, 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 and I feel confident in my abilities and my capabilities. And on the same breath, I feel that, you know, uh, that has also been my, 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 my kryptonite because, uh, you know, financially, like I said, when it's high, it's really high. When it's low, it's really low. Financially, um, as, 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 as one participant had said that, you know, you had set some, some goals for yourself, you know, that you want to do this and that for yourself, you want to do this and that for your family. And now this pandemic and the economic hardships it presents, it makes it pretty 
difficult or near impossible for you to actually reach those targets that you had set in the beginning. So that's 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 really 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 low. And uh, also on the same breath, I think it, uh, um, the pandemic has also opened my eyes to um, the things that I should be grateful for in life. You know, the fact that I can still afford a loaf of bread and you know uh, a pint of milk. That I think is a blessing. Uh, given that uh, the the times that we're living in, I mean, uh, COVID nineteen has really exposed uh, the pretty much obvious about the South African society, our unequal state, and you know the the, the economic disparities. Those that are hard hit by this pandemic are really, really, really hard hit, and those that are hit are you know pretty much getting by. So there's no middle class anymore. It's just whether you're making it or you are you are not making it and at this point uh, apart from the all i mean all the positive things i've said about my career and my and my and my and and, and my son i think i am not making it yeah thanks mongezi um, i know zianda then we can probably end the part of 2020 then move to the discussion to other topics i know zianda raised her hand and ayanda so let's start with zianda then we can have ayanda next Thanks, thanks, Peter. Um, yeah, so 2020 for me has been clarifying. I don't think I have an assessment of whether that's been good or bad. You know, it has been what it is. Um, it was very clarifying, and I'm appreciative of that. You know, in my planning previously, I didn't leave much room for discovery. Um, that it doesn't matter what the plan is. Now I'm more, I'm more deliberate about always leaving room for discovery. Um, in your plans, that there's just a part of life that is sovereign and simply not up to you. And 2020 just, just literally um, woke me up to that reality again, that um, it is, it's always been this way. There's always been parts that rely on autonomy and there's always been parts that do not. And the pandemic did not change that. In fact, it brought it to light and it may still reach out to the things that are up to me. You know, um, I can plan for 24 hours at least can't plan much, you know, for the future, but I can still plan. Um, I still live. I've had to be creative in terms of the how to live, but I, I still live. So it clarified what's really fundamental and core to life, what's unlikely to change, um, and removed that which is fickle, you know. I think it's only the, the things that are deeply anchored that survived in 2020, in relationships, in, in just life resources. Um, the strongest elements survived the winds of change. Um, so that which matters to me has remained, which is my internal dialogue. I've seen that it was nice in 2020 to discover that I'm actually like a good person. Like I'm alone in the house, there's no one. I think good things, like I'm not a shit human. That was nice you know, to know that, that, oh, even when you don't have company, even when you don't have money, you're like a nice human. You laugh at yourself, you, you laugh at the same things. It was a nice discovery for me to to feel like I'm not drowning, I can swim in this life thing. You know, it's not my career that was making me intact. It's not my income because all of those things, obviously I've lost them to one degree or another, but I remained. And that was really cool for me to see that the core of who I am relatively remain unchanged. And to finally see this worst case I've always imagined, what would happen if I was unemployed? What would happen if I had no one? 2020 brought all of those what could, and they did happen. <laughs> you know? 
and you're like, oh, you you didn't die. You're like, you you're okay in spite of the loss and the trauma and everything. It was a year of discovery, um, and I don't want to term that as as good or bad. It it's 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 my life. It is what it is, and I'm living it to the best of ability. And it was nice to see that I can. It was it made me it made it believable that I'm coping, because obviously I'm a therapist. You know, it's nice to talk about these things in theory. But 2020 was like the test. Look, can you leave the psychology or is it just nice to, to code it in the books? And it was nice to see that I can, that those things that I think I know, I really do know. So that's that's been my assessment of 2020. Thanks, Ayanda. And then lastly, Ayanda, um, I know you obviously are the last person to speak on the issue of 2020. But if you could sum it up from your side, what's your experience so far with the year, um, considering that we halfway through it? Yeah, man. Um, as most people are saying, it's been a roller coaster, you know, like it's just been crazy. Um, it's just, uh, you know, I think as Zianda said, um, I've also discovered a lot about myself. Uh, you know, like financially, you know, I, work for, I went from working with my, um, from my dad's business, seeing it totally shut down due to COVID. And luckily, I had, you know, a backup plan for the state. You know, like, otherwise, other than that, I think I was, I was just going to lose everything. You know, I'm, I'm paying for a car, trying to pay rent. I just saw all those things, you know, literally crumbling down. My installments for my cars, you know, just kept on, you know, just, you know, going unpaid, you know. just But at least I just had a backup plan. And then my situation is kind of like improving again. But, you know, I've just been spending a lot of time, you know, just uh, since we, we, we are talking about mental health anyway, just doing things that can, you know, uh, stimulate my mind, you know, like uh, exercising, you know, talking about jogging, just to keep yourself, you know, um, up above the water. You know, it's, you know, it's, I don't know, man, it's just been so, so, you know, it just required a lot from me in terms of my mental state. I've had to be very stable to, to you know, make things, you know, um, get back on track, if you know what I mean. So, yeah, man, it's just, it's just been so eye-opening. I've just, I've just been spending my time, you know, learning new courses, you know, there's uh, digital marketing courses just to, 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 to uh, I don't know, it's, it's um, what can I say? I've learned that it's important to to be very diverse diverse in your skill set, you know. So I've I've really spent time, you know, really diversifying my skill set because now, 2010 has taught me that if you um, what can I say, tunnel visioned, you will definitely fail. Understand? So yeah, I've spent a lot of time learning new things, you know, um, just exercising and and so forth. But yeah, that, that's just it for me in terms of 2020 in general. Yeah, it's just been a, a roller coaster. Okay. Yeah. Thanks, Ayanda. All right. I All think right, we, can, we can get into the cracks of the topic. And I think I want to start the conversation here in regards to the communities that we live in. Uh, we live in an African country. We live in a country that has a, a strong history. When you speak about apartheid, we speak about racism, we speak about poverty, we speak about our tribes, our traditions, our religions as well. And our, our, the question comes in about how all of these entangles to our mental state as a country. 
And obviously we've spoken about 2020 in the present, but I think the past is also relevant in determining what exactly our mental capacity and how we've formed into how we view our mental state. And from a discussion I've had previously and some of the previous discussions we had last week or so, there was the discussion about how religion and our cultures play a role in our view on mental health. And maybe I want to start the conversation in regards to the family household, the black family. And we speak about our parents, our siblings, and so forth, and our family as a whole. And my question is more centered about what has been our relationship or is there a kind of a dogma or stigma when it comes to mental health discussions within the family household? And maybe let me start this conversation with Asanda. Because obviously you are obviously haven't spoken yet, but I want to see exactly how you'd view this issue regarding mental health within the black, black family. Is it something that is still perceived to be negatively or something that we suppress? Um, we don't want to speak about it. Is it something that we say, let's just pray about it, let's divert it, you know, go watch motivational videos? What is your take on the whole issue regarding the black family and mental health? Um, okay, I'm going to speak from my, my perspective in terms of my own household. Um, I think mental health is not necessarily taken seriously. Um, if you're feeling a specific way, I know with my family, they're very Christian, yeah, but their views are more Christian-like. So if I was to say something that I'm experiencing, we would be like, no, don't worry, you'll just pray about it. But we don't usually go deeper into it as to what is it that you're struggling with? Um, what is it that you want to tackle? Um, it's often surface level. It's not going deeper into the situation. And, and I think also um, we're not exactly close. Um, we're close, but we don't have, we don't go, um, what I'm trying to say is that we don't, we don't have that relationship where you feel, feel safe to speak your mind without having them to speak about Christianity and just be real and just be yourself. So with my family, um, I would say it's not necessarily taken seriously. Yeah. Okay, thanks, Asanda. Let's probably have, um, I don't know if Kentridge can speak on this issue as well. Um, obviously, mental health is something that's, I, I, would, I, would, I don't want to say it's quite new or it's quite something that's not typically been spoken about before. Um, but what's your take in terms of us as Africans and the issue of mental health and, you know, mental awareness? Uh, what's your take uh, on this issue so far? As I unmute myself. Okay. Uh, first of all, afternoon, everyone. Uh, my apologies. Uh, I had some, like, you know, network issues. And uh, obviously, I'm new to everyone. I don't know anyone here. I was invited uh, by someone else. So yeah, I know that you've passed, you've passed that stage of intro, introducing yourselves. It's okay, I'm sorry about that. So uh, uh, getting to, to your question, Manda, uh, I think it's, it's, it's all about how you raised. You get what I'm saying? So like you've mentioned that uh, we've got like, you know, different uh, tribes, different um, religions and all that in Africa. But uh, I think for me, it's, it's all about how you raised, you know, as, as, as a person. Because I mean, take for instance, uh, I'm gonna talk about me. Um, I was raised by, um, okay, by both parents, my father and my mother. But uh, obviously, my, my father was very hard on me, eh? Hard in a situation whereby, you know, it was 
like not easy for me to can go and ask him for anything. You get what I'm saying? So whatever that you go through, it's a matter of saying that we have to go through your mom and then mommy, can you please tell daddy that I want one, two, three and all that. So that on its own, obviously, I mean, it, it, it sort of like, you know, it builds something in you to say that, you know, you can't be free as a person. Hence, I'm saying it depends on how, how, you, how, how you are raised. You get what I'm saying? So for, for, for me, it's, it's, it's only now that I'm starting to, you know, to be that, you know, an outspoken person because... I was never, as, as, I, as, as I was growing up, I was never given an opportunity of like, you know, speaking freely because, you know, that thing of, 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 of uh, being raised by your father and, and like, you know, being tough with you, it has actually, you know, played, I would say, a negative, um, you know, impact in, 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 in my life. You get what I'm saying? So it's only now that I'm starting to, to, to see the world, you know, to say, but you know what, you cannot just keep quiet for, for the rest of your life. You need to start speaking, you understand? So, 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 yeah, I think, um, I think from my side, it's something that uh, we, we, we can't just like, you know, um, push it under carpet. Uh, it's something that you, you need to talk about it. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, today I was actually seeing someone on Facebook, you know, someone that I grew up with. You can see that in itself. Yeah? I mean, the things that, you know, he talks about, you know, when his life on, 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 on Facebook, you, you can see that, you know, this person needs, needs help. You get what I'm saying? But now the question would be, how do I then, you know, approach this guy? Because is he aware that he's got a problem? That would be point number one. I'm not sure if he's aware. You get what I'm saying? So, so, so yeah, it's, it's something that we can, we can overlook, um, uh, to be precise. Thanks, Kentridge. Uh, Kay, I know you raised your hand. And I know Zian also raised their hand. Um, let's start with Kay. I also want to get Tafazo as well into the conversation. Uh, so let's have Kay, uh, then Tafazo, then Zian that will come in as well. That's okay. Share right. with you. Cool. Thanks, man. Um, so, so during this time of the 2020 period, obviously the the thought process I've had uh, came from me reading a book called The Four Agreements and how things and how people take things personally, and uh, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So, you know, I thought about that book, and and now I'm going to try and apply it onto the African culture as me being a man who can be a dad sometime in the future. Um, you know, even like what Ayanda mentioned earlier on with regards to um, the paying of installments and whatnot, those are a lot of responsibilities that we all have. Now, picture it like this, you know, the, the way the world has placed it is that us men, we can't have problems. And they say a mental health issue comes from, from white people. That's basically a white person's thing. But, you know, having a mental issue is not a bad thing. But people make it a bad thing. That's why we will struggle. So, if, like, you know, I mean, I don't know if it's all uh, black cultures whereby you get bewitched and whatnot. And the first sign of you being mentally disturbed, you're being bewitched. So that already has already got a negative side to it whereby, ish, if I've got this, then I've got a problem. And you'd hide it, you know. But then taking it back to being a dad and me having thousands of problems, then add a child onto that. And then my kid or my son has got issues as well you know it's going to be very hard for me to give them my attention when i'm already struggling with my own stuff you check so with in terms of culture i think if it's a black culture it's going to struggle from there it struggles from a part whereby i don't think parents will sit down and want to give the give the, the child time to to deal with their problems when i've got to pay my rent i gotta pay my car i gotta pay for this i gotta pay for your school fees and i gotta pay for that already stress in itself and um and taking all of that into consideration, um, it, it does come down to how a person was raised, how they choose and how they view 
and how they know how to get help from. I mean, I'll go to psychologists. I don't mind. I mean, I have a problem. I'll go, you know. But for other people and the society you've been raised in and also the people that you've been around, especially with religion. Religion, I mean, there's actually in-house people who actually help you with marriages. There's marriage counseling. There's this kind of counseling. It's there. But the problem is, it's put in a good light. Like, oh, it's church. But I mean, it doesn't, mean, it doesn't make any difference because if I don't go to church, I still need help. You get what I'm saying? So, yeah, I mean, it's, 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 a, it's a deep case. But, yeah, that's some of you on it. Thanks, Kay. Um, let's have Tafadzo, then we can have Ziana next. Um, Tafadzo, you've heard the question already. And let me, let me yeah. add a new dynamic into that. Um, uh-huh. We've spoken about the family household. And we've obviously looked from introspectively looking at ourselves and use our own examples. But in addition to that question, as, as an adult male, at what point in your life did you start to see your parents as people uh, rather than uh, as a form of, how can I put this, as a form of more than just a superior being of adulthood, but more of a person who has flaws, fears, and insecurities. At what point in your life did you start to see your parents in that state? And how exactly has that changed your perception going into adulthood? But that's just part of the initial question. Okay. Uh, that's actually a very interesting addition there. Um, so I know that um, for me, I would say, I don't know if it plays differently depending on even your birth order in terms of whether you're born as a firstborn or a secondborn or a lastborn, uh, whether that affects when you get this realization. Uh, but I'll speak from the from obviously my own experience as a firstborn. Uh, I think because when you're a firstborn, a lot of responsibility is put on you. You tend to be the like half half adult or half parent in the family generally. So you, I think you come to that realization of your parents quicker. Uh, of your parents being just normal people quicker. Um, and again, for others, depending on your life circumstances, things that happen, uh, you know, tragedies can happen in someone's life that also make you grow up faster. And again, that also is something that could actually accelerate uh, when you realize these things. But uh, for me, I've got a whole family. My parents are still alive and uh, I've grown up uh, pretty uh, decently. And uh, I would say for me, it was probably in my late, uh, I would actually say early 20s. Yeah, my early 20s. That's probably when I started looking at even like my father mostly as my as my direct uh, uh, person who I follow as a male person. I, this is the first one I started looking at and saying, okay, some of the decisions you make don't make sense. Uh, I feel like, you know, the 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 uh, some of his decisions would uh, go counter to what the rest of the family would think. And I was like, oh, would you make that decision? Then I realized he's just a grown version of me just trying to make it in life, you know? Um, and more so even then when I started even kind of working it out even with my mother and you start seeing yourself that like now you're at an age where you can also have kids and you can, and especially if you've got younger siblings now and you start looking at how you're trying to educate them, it starts to reinforce some of the things your parents did. And then you're like, okay, this was actually a minefield for them. They were also just learning as they were teaching you. And I guess that feeds into your psyche and how, who you are as, and your mental health. So 
I think your birth position definitely, uh, uh, how do, I want to say it like this is when you're born, it kind of plays onto your mental health a bit, but it's not an exact science. So that's why you find that there are studies that say most firstborns uh, end up becoming leaders or whatever, just naturally because of when they were born. Do you get what I'm saying? And then secondborns generally are very uh, outgoing, very extroverted kind of people, and they like to break the rules and challenge authority. Again, that's just a typical uh, mindset that they have. And then your lastborns in most families are the very free thinkers, creative, funny characters as well. And if that's literally describing my family members, how they are. I'm the calm, quiet, uh, uh, very organized, very routine one. And that, that's just how it plays out. And maybe that's something that plays into your mental health as well. I think that's uh, uh, my addition to, to, to that, just that topic of mental health and maybe your birth order and when you realize your parents uh, are just also just humans trying to make it in this world as well. Okay, thanks, Tafadu. And then lastly, let's have Ziander, then we can progress more into other issues regarding mental health. Um, Ziander? Hi. Um, so I think I'll add a bit in, in terms of um, cultural background. I think I'll add that dynamic um, in office because I later became a mental health practitioner. So it was, it was nice to come from something that doesn't acknowledge mental health at all and end up working in that space. Um, and for a bit of context, I'm actually village raised. So I was born in the Eastern Cape, uh, rural Eastern Cape, like very rural Eastern Cape. Um, and I think what I learned from that was the absence of vocabulary to describe mental health. So it's not even that they're discounting it. There's no name to call whatever's going on with you. And people can only label things that they know, you know. Um, so it's not a discussion because there's no language for it. There's only two ways to behave. Do your chores or don't do your chores. Therefore, you're either lazy or you're not. There is no diversity in terms of describing different personalities. There's just people that do their chores well and lazy people that don't respect elders. You know, there's no complicated subgroup of, of people. Um, and then I migrated to live in a city for studies. And that's where the contrast for me started becoming. Um, I also soon realized how much external influence has to do with how you frame the world. Because back home, my sources of influence are school, teacher, mom and dad, and immediate elders. There isn't a lot of benchmarking myself against anything else. So there's no thing telling me my experience is abnormal. You know, so even if you have a depressive episode or whatever, the of comparison around you aren't that vast for you to decide the way you're feeling is not normal or is not okay. Then you get access to social media, education spaces, and you start to see what is the medium and how far do you deviate, you know, from the medium. Then you start asking yourself questions if your experience is is okay is is it considered normal and so on and so forth so definitely for me access to to the world plays a lot to do with the quality of our mental health we see this in social media we just know so much of what else is going on and you're starting to see how you compare to that big spectrum we know which is the world which i feel like being in a village i was buffered against that you know there was just me and my immediate peers and there wasn't a big differentiation so how i felt is, is how i felt i didn't have 
I didn't have an understanding that that's not how I should be feeling. And there was also no definition to 10 meters, either good or bad, because the mental health language, you know, is not there. Hence, when I need mental health care now, minimizing that access is my first go-to point, because I realize this incoming data at such a rapid speed and access to this many people, like in a village, there isn't this many people, like you don't know this many people. <laughs> but now I step out of my house and in five minutes, I've seen so many people, a passing car, you know, a different gadget, a runner, a cyclist. And you know, you've had comparisons, you know, and been awake for even a full hour. And there's just so much understanding of what is going on around you. Um, so that's been my my experience of it, that at home I didn't have a language for for describing my experiences. And the benefit of psychology as a student and as a person that's practicing it was having the language to define what's going on. And that's been so liberating that, you know, it's not you. There's nothing wrong with you. This is called a depressive episode. This is called anxiety. That's what it looks like, the disease itself, not you. That is how the brain processes X, Y, Z. It's got nothing to do with are you a good person or are you a bad person. And that liberation made me cope so much better that, okay, if I'm having this, it's got a name. If I'm having this, it's got a name. It's not me. I'm an okay person, me as a person. And these things have causes and things that have causes also have solutions. So that's been the big contrast that I experienced that back home, I was protected in my naivety, almost. Um, it didn't mean these things didn't exist. I didn't know about them, so they didn't make it into my thought content. And as soon as I left, you know, that world demanded an, a different awareness of me in order to cope. And with that came new challenges, but having those labels has been a saving grace for me to know what things are called so that I don't own them as a fundamental part of who I am. Thanks, Yanda. Um, Mongezi, I know you raised your hand. And maybe I can also shift the discussion as well, but obviously you can still chip in on this topic so far. Um, obviously, I want to talk about toxic relationships and how they affect our mental state as well. But um, I know you raised your hand. And maybe as you're answering the question, before we move to the second segment, um, and there's a pressure that I, I see some people talk about when it comes to mental health, especially in families, whereby there's, especially when it comes to fathers and also maybe some of our mothers, the desire for perfectionism, you know, I want my son to be the best, you must be the head of the family, you must, there's, there's so much responsibility put on you. And I just want to see what's your take on that, um, in terms of what exactly, how, how much burden does that play into the shaping of your state as a person growing up as an adult? Um, and then we can move to the second part um, with everyone else, but you can still speak about the initial discussions. Well. Okay, no, thanks, Peter. Let me let me just speak about what you said just now because uh, my concentration span is very short, so I might just forget. Um, you know, with the, with the with with the pressures, um, you know, of being a male child in a household. You know, just to digress a bit from what Tav said, I know Tav spoke that if you are firstborn, then you know there is a, an inherent responsibility on you to to act accordingly and in in in, in in a, in a prescribed manner, and uh, commonly second borns are carefree and free-spirited. I'm a second born, and uh, I'm, 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 I'm completely the opposite of what uh, Tev said. But then he was speaking about, uh, or he was speaking from a context-specific point of view. So I totally understand. And in my context, 
Uh, I'm a second born, but I am the only I am the only male figure in 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 the household or just at home. From where I was brought up, I was raised. Uh, uh, I come from a very matriarchal family, so even growing up, I stayed uh, with my grandmother, and I was still the only boy in the entire household. Then I later moved to stay with my mother and my sister. Still, I'm the only boy. So I think what that did, it pretty much accelerated my my adulthood in a in a in a way and my my assumption of responsibility. I took it upon myself to assume responsibilities responsibilities that are my uh, 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 were far from me at the time. I might add responsibilities that uh, you know no normal twelve year old thirteen year old boy should have to assume. And they were not dictated upon me, but then I just felt that as a man, according to my understanding then, that I needed to assume certain responsibilities in the house. And uh, I told myself that I cannot cry because, you know, I am around uh, ladies and if they see me cry, so that's going to break them. So I, 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 I told myself that, you know, I always need to be strong, which was a very flawed um flawed vantage point that I put myself on because now that I'm a bit older, I realize just how much of my childhood I missed because I wanted to grow up so quickly. And, you know, I could never speak about that because, you know, in, 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 in the household that we come from, many of us come from, the relationships between our, our, our parents and ourselves, um, you know, a vertical, you know, there's your mother up there or your parents up there and then there's you, you understand? So you can't say anything because the communication is top down. You know, a child is seen, not heard. So you you went about life, you know, uh, not understanding many things, going through many things and challenges, but then you could not speak to them. I mean, I'm, I'm, I mean, speak about them to your mother because, you know, it's, 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 it was unheard of at the time. Well, I thought it was unheard of because we didn't, you know, forge that relationship with my mother and I that we are going to be open and, and, and whatnot. Many years later, COVID-19 comes. Now we have to come back to the same house. We are locked down under the same house. You understand? The last time I was in the same space uh, with my mother was, you know, primary school and high school left home for about seven years or eight years. Then I go back home now to spend uh, just the odd three weeks. And just that time, that time alone just made me realize how much, uh, how much has went about unsaid, you know, and how I think, you, you know, my structure is, is 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 questionable, and so many things that I think are broken. You know, uh, that three weeks that I spent at home with my mother and sister really exposed a lot about you know family dynamics and lack of communication uh, because we didn't have that time. You know, uh, during the week everyone goes about their business. One goes to school, the other goes to work. We meet at night. You know, it's just that chit chat. We eat, we go to bed. So we literally spend three hours, four hours max. And then the rest of the day, we at work, some of them are at school. So we didn't have, or oh, there's no relationship. So now in that three weeks that you get to spend with your family, the entire day you are in the, in the house, the entire day, 
you just go you 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 see and realize just how much how much the relationship is non-existent or questionable yeah i think i've said it thanks mongezi um maybe let me add the new top the new aspect and dynamic of this discussion and i know i've mentioned it in the communication i started with um as i was inviting you guys so let me move the discussion to relationships because i know some people wanted to speak about this in our previous discussions and maybe this is a good opportunity in a subway to introduce this topic um so in terms of relationships um most of us obviously have been in relationships some of us are either married dating single um there's a term i i learned during covid-19 isolation isolationships which are, are quite new i've never heard of that one before but i think i'm in that type of relationship but um let me not digress um ayanda i know you raised your hand but my 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 question in terms of t- relationships um we speak about mental health and our mental state our emotions and how we express ourselves emotionally in your in your view do you believe men and women express or experience love differently ayanda yes uh, peter um like okay so i i will change the topic now because i had something very important to say on the previous thing that you that you, the, the previous uh, topic that you 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 wanted to touch on Yeah. then maybe i can i i can say uh, my bit on whether what i think women and men experience in terms of uh, relationships um feel free to use whichever topic you want to start with then we can progress yeah but just to uh reclarify because now uh, as um as mongezi had stated with his me- mental concentration can you please just uh touch on that topic again the second one just so i can just get my mind back at it uh so the second one is in regards to relationships um so obviously i'm trying to understand in your point of view do men and women experience and express love differently okay i think you're not getting me uh i'm saying remember the topic that mongezi was speaking on yes the one can you hear me yes Yes. Yeah, that's what I that's one I, I want to touch on a bit. Okay, you can before speak, I get to you can speak about that. Yeah, so 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 maybe uh, I just wanted to talk about the pressure that I felt uh, more uh, from my parents but more from my dad in terms of um being okay, I'm the second born, but what happened I think remember after I left PMT I worked to work in uh, in Santin and then after that i got retrenched i think you remember that right and then after that uh my dad gave me a call um saying hey son i've got a business here uh in durban uh come let's work i'm like oh yeah man you know i've always wanted to work with my dad i'm like hey let's do this yeah, boy so yeah, i i get i get back home now in durban um i well i i'd never lived in durban i'd i'd only been as far as pmb in terms of kzn so now i'm living in durban i'm working with my dad i'm like everything is cool so now you know as we started working you know the work was so demanding you know uh the consultants have been so demanding you know like it was just like countless hours what made it worse is that 
like we're working from home, understand? So now he'd be in my face 24-7, understand? So we got to a situation where I felt uncomfortable chilling on the sofa at home. Understand? Everything I had, I had to be doing was be on my laptop, understand? At the office with him 24-7, understand? Like I genuinely started losing my, my life as you call it because everything I'd be doing, and remember this continued for about and a half years to two years, understand? And this took a major toll on me. Of course, I learned a lot in terms of business, but in terms of my relationships with people, it really took a toll on me because like I'd be working 12 hours straight, driving, driving to different locations, two hour drives, just doing all these things. And the worst thing for me is that I just didn't get any sense of, um, what can I say? Appreciation, acknowledgement, like son, you're working hard. As, as, as much as I saw the difference that I was, I, I was making in terms of like improving our financial situation at home through the work we were doing, you know, I just, I just didn't get um, that uh, uh, step of, uh, of approval to say, hi, son, you, you, you're very disciplined, you're focused. You're doing all this and that, you know, as much as, as, much as I, was, I, I was doing work, understand? So now we're coming to the end of 2019. Obviously, Nami, uh, I'm starting to notice different things that I like about the city. I want to spread my wings, understand? But now I feel like obviously, sorry guys, there's a lot of cars here, sorry. So I feel like um, I, I just felt a bit trapped, if you know what I mean. You know, I'm living under this man's household who expects me to be a robot, basically, to basically be a superman, I guess. Like, like I'd work, take my siblings to school, go do this, do this. Like, I was doing everything, understand? And I just felt that there's so much pressure on me, understand? And I just felt so caged as well. So I started looking into different things, you know, like, at the, end of the 20, at the end of 2019, I was planning, I was planning, so I've got this thing at the end of the year, I plan my, my, my next year, I understand. So I started seeing so many things, like saying like, okay, first of all, I want to earn more money in 2020, definitely. What else can I do uh, besides, you know, what I'm doing now that, that could increase my, 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 my income stream? That's when I came up with the real estate, you know. So now 2020 comes through, then I started having conversations with my dad, like, hey, bro, like, I'm realizing, okay, you pay me this much, but for me, I don't think it's enough. I need to do something else, you know, to increase my income stream. That's when the tension started, you understand, me, between me and my dad. I just felt like, yeah, he was very selfish in terms of he wanted me just to do what he wants me to do, regardless of um, what, I'm, what, what I'm earning my earning potential. And for me, that's very selfish from a parent to say, so let's just say I'm earning 10K, understand? But now I'm 28. There's a lot of things I need to, you know, there's a lot of things I need to get done, understand? I, I need to look towards paying, uh, getting a bond. I, I need to, you know, I need to do a lot of things. But now the person I'm, I'm speaking to isn't seeing my bigger picture. He's only seeing his bigger picture he wants the business to grow, understand? But now my time is ticking, understand? I don't want to be 35 and then I look back 
and say, oh, yeah, I built a great business for the family. But look at, look at my life. I'm not married. I got kids because I've just been so focused on doing this. Understand? But now I took it upon myself to say, hey, man, regardless of how it goes down, man, I'm a grown man. So I, I started shifting my focus more to real estate. And I just saw our relationship crumbling and crumbling down. Understand? So now COVID obviously took over. And the business obviously suffered so, so much to a, to a point where people weren't getting paid. And the more that happened, the more I focused on real estate, understand? Because I, I saw, you know, it was very lucrative. Obviously, uh, Peter might know I've got a we've got sales, uh, sales background, you know, I, you know, we used to sell like crazy, understand? So uh, I just moved straight into real estate. But now it got into a point where I, I could even, I managed to even move out of home. Understand? And, and I could see when I told my dad that I'm moving out of home, the way he just looked at me, you know. So ever since I, I moved out of home, it's been about two months. The man hasn't said a single word to me. Understand? So that's just to touch on toxicity of relationships with parents, how bad it can get when you become a man to say, this is what I want in my life. But then you see that the man that raised you has a different plan for you. But now you need to realize that it's not up to him to say, this should be your, um, it's not up to him to say, this is the direction of your life. No one has the right to say, this is what you should do with your life. Everybody has to say, okay, pick your own goals. This is what I'm gonna stick to. This is when I wanna get things done. And no, no one has the right to say anything to you. So as much as I'm hurt, uh, in, in, in terms of the work that I put in the past two years of my life, have, seeing it as like no appreciation and, and, and whatnot, I'm still, you know, willing to have a sit down with my dad at some point to say, hey man, you know, we both made, made mistakes. Let's move on, you know, but let's respect each other. Let's respect each other's, um, what can I say? Uh, respect each other's life choices. So, yeah, basically, that, that's just to touch on, um, you know, uh, toxicity in terms of relationships with, with parents and expectations as well. So, yeah, moving on to the other topic now, uh, you know, relationships. Uh, you know, I think the past two years of my life, as I, as, I, as I said to you, I haven't experienced much of that. You know, so now I'm in, I'm in a new chapter. I live alone. I'm in Durban. I'm loving it. Hopefully, I'm going to open, um, you know, it's going to open me up to much more things in my life that I didn't experience in the past few years. So, yeah, that, that's, what, that's, that's all I've got to say, guys. Thank you. Yeah, Ayanda, I must commend you on being open and transparent about what the situation is. And I think this kind of yeah. it is important for us to be able to express and be honest with what exactly goes on in our lives and also navigate and how exactly, because someone else may be going through the same thing and you know, how you navigate yeah, true. similar and how they also want to navigate through their circumstances. Wow. Um, but obviously I also want to make sure at least everyone else can speak on the topics that we also have. And I know KK and Tafadza have raised their hands. I don't know if you are still want to speak on the issue of the family or if you want to also speak on the new topic. Let's start with uh, K and then we can move to Tafadza. Yeah, I'm here. Let me just plug in my headsets. Yeah. 
Maybe go. Right, me. Fantastic. I believe you can. Check. Uh, honestly speaking, with regards to toxic relationships, um, I, I, I wouldn't really touch much on that. Uh, reason being is because everyone is different. Everyone has got a different level of toxicity. Um, I think in terms of that, you have to set your, your boundaries with regards to what you can tolerate in a relationship or not. But um, one thing I do want to add to a toxic relationship is, is, is the miscommunication people have. It's how they take society and then bring it into the relationship. For example, um, if you look at a public, I mean, like these popular couples, how they do certain things, you'd find that your partner would like to do that. And I just recently read that a toxic relationship is as small as your partner not supporting you at all. It's as small as her speaking to you with disrespect or him speaking with disrespect. That's actually toxic. And in terms of a relationship, it is very hard to, to, to ignore that because when you love someone, even though he's bad at something, you still want to be with him. I don't know if I'm speaking on behalf of the woman, if I can, if, if you can disagree. Yeah, I, 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 I hope you agree with that because I do know, regardless of that, there's always that pro and con of relationships. There's always that one thing that you don't like about the guy and you wait to just try and change him. Yeah, I think you guys know that. But yeah, it doesn't work. You, you'll be there the whole day. It's not going to help. So in terms of that, in a toxic relationship, you know, you have to know the degree that you can take and you can tolerate and then set the standard for yourself. I think that's the best way to look at it on my view. So, yeah. Thanks, Kate. Uh, Tafazo, I know you're sure. and um, then I can also move to here. Okay. All right. Um, no, just uh, Kate just made me laugh uh, with, uh, with his uh, standing up for uh, what he potentially thinks that the, the women think. Um, uh, so my perspective is, I, I think part of your question was, um, do men and women love differently? And uh, that was an interesting one. Uh, I guess I'll just add my opinion, uh, which is what the whole point of this is. I think they do um, to some degree uh, because um, my my thinking is that uh, men 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 thrive off uh, respect, and because even in in, a, in and amongst themselves, also we don't express it in that way in this form of uh yeah to my homeboys or whatever that i love you or not we don't do that but there's a you know there's all there's that hierarchy or that naturally occurs amongst men even in a group of friends i think most of the guys here know that you know that even in your group of friends is there's always a the one who's like the inadvertent leader of the group then there's the funny dude and then there's the uh, guy who gets you into trouble you know there's always those random characters in a group of friends but there's this appreciation you have with each other that uh, usually there's a form of respect that you all have for each other and i think in even in relationships that's the probably one of the biggest things that men uh look for or uh, identify the most with, uh, in terms of love is a feeling of appreciation or respect for the things they do and the things they uh, or the sacrifices that they make and I think that's how they view love. I can't speak to uh, how women uh, uh, view it uh, but I, I, uh, I, I, would, I don't even want to venture a guess actually. I'm dangerously scared right now to uh, to, to even uh, st try to attempt to do that but I can only speak from uh, a men's perspective I think for me yeah that's one of the things that's how I would 
I don't, I, just from my own uh, relationship uh, things, I've just noticed the things that give me drive or make me feel appreciated uh, are different from what uh, my significant other would would expect from me. So therefore, it's, I think it's, it's, it's a cohesion of the thing. And then there's uh, just to add another slight point with regards to toxicity. It's um, there's this guy called Jordan Peterson, and he talks about relationships in a very interesting way. He's like, relationships are meant to be good and whatnot, but there's meant to be a form of some some level of tension for them to be truly great. You know, you can't have uh, a partner that you walk all over, for instance. Uh, because if you had a partner that just says yes and yes to everything you want, you wouldn't feel challenged or happy or grow, right? Um, and vice versa, if you have a partner who's always on top of you, you you feel suffocated. So there's the balance that I think will, is required to get away from toxicity, uh, which would lead to mental health in a in a in a in a relationship. And maybe we bring those things again culture, culturally into. Our relationships sometimes, uh, be it African uh, men expectations, uh, please uh, give me my food in a certain way or whatever. Um, maybe those things need to be revised and questioned uh, looking into the future. But again, I would advise some sort of balance because um, we can't take modern westernized ways of being to be also fully correct in terms of um, how we handle our relationships. But yeah, that's just my point. Uh, over to the rest of you guys. Thanks, Tafata. Um, thanks for your input. Um, I know Cantridge and Mungiz raised their hands, um, but let me also give one of the ladies a chance to also speak. I know Leto hasn't spoken much so far, uh, besides the initial discussion you started off with. Leto, can I maybe also have your contribution on this, this part of the discussion as well? Um, do men and women, because obviously we have two guys express their views, three guys. We, we also need a lady's point of view um, on this. Do women and men express and experience love differently? Um, definitely. Um, I, I really think we do experience and express love differently. And I think it, it, it all stems from how we brought up um, from our families and from our backgrounds. Um, and what you see in society, because I think most of, most of the things that, most of the habits that we have, I personally believe that always come from what is around us, you know, from the influence of, of our communities and societies. And it is very, um, it becomes difficult when, I know in my personal experience, when, when women expect men to express love the same way that they do um, without understanding why they themselves express, like where this thing comes from, why do you want to be treated like this? Do you understand it yourself, the way you express love? Do you understand what love means um, just on your own? Um, before having to go to the next person and say, hey, love me like this. Hey, this is how this is supposed to happen, you know. Um, so I think it, it, it becomes very difficult um, in that sense where 
guys know how to express love in their own way and girls know how to express love and, and, and be love in their own way. And then you get into a space where neither parties actually know it and understand it. Like, I don't know, in, in, in their own selves before having to go try, get it or express it with someone else. And it, it, it makes life a bit of, of, of a slip. Um, in, in a situation like that. And yeah, um, I, I definitely think we understand it differently and express it differently. And it, what, what makes it even more difficult is that you always want the person to behave a certain way, but you also not understanding when I yourself with why do you want to do like this? And you don't understand it yourself, which is, how can you actually sit down with yourself as a person and do what you can do and, and better yourself as a person before going to the next person and saying, hey, listen, do it like this, do it like that. Um, so I think it, it, it also comes with dialogue. If, if we are going to get to the same page about it, um, a lot of dialogue has to happen and a lot of, we all have to be on the same page, but what it is um, about... We all have to be on the same page about who we are and, and what we want as individuals. And then once we do that, once I'm able to understand what you want and how you express love, then I think the, the expectation um, is, 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 so, is almost the expectation to expect someone to do something else the way that they do it is, how do I explain this? <laughs> um, like you, 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 the burden of having to expect someone else to do something the way you want them to do it is less because then you understand it's okay. This person likes things like this, and I like things like this. And how can we get to a place where we both meet each other um, at an equal point of understanding? You know, um, yeah, I think that that's very important. Thanks, Leto. Cantridge, uh, uh, I know you raised your hand, um, then you can also include the others as well. Cantridge. Uh, yeah, I know. Uh, okay, Miles, is it Miles Monroe? I, I think you guys you are familiar with that guy. Eh? Uh, he once said that a man does not need love. Okay, a man does not need love, but a man, uh, what he needs is respect. So we normally men normally respond to the respect that they have uh, to to their partners. That's how men uh, respond to love. Okay, I just wanted to say that. So I did not uh, respond or I did not comment on the issue of uh, 2020 and the coronavirus and all that on how it affected me. But I'm just going to sort of like summarize as to what I've experienced. Well, it's part of it's part of uh, it's, it's it's part of um, it's gonna it's gonna it's gonna involve love as well. So uh, just to cut the story short, uh, I'm gonna talk about my life quickly. Just two minutes. So in January, uh, I think it was the second week of January, I, I received a decree of divorce. Okay. <laughs> Come <laughs> You're laughing at me. <laughs> I, received, I received a decree of, of divorce. Okay. I've never been to court. Uh, I don't remember receiving any summons to say I must go to court and all that. But uh, I do remember that uh, I was once given a letter to say that, you know what, uh, you know what I've had enough of you. Um, I'm, I'm divorcing you. You get what I'm saying? So I obviously did not uh, entertain, you know, the, the, the story. 
but uh, the lady she she went away she, she she went on and then she went to court she did everything herself and all that so it's fine not a problem i respect her decision because i mean if if dinner is, not, is no longer served on the table i mean you must leave you get what i'm saying so i respected the decision so i just want to sort of like you know try and and and, and show you how my 2020 started before before corona you get what i'm saying so yeah decree of divorce it's fine not a problem in march i was told at my work to say that you know what you must start working from home i was like you know i said to my uh, my colleague to say that you know what this thing of working from home now nah, man i'm not used to this thing but obviously it was something you we did not understand or i did not understand this thing of uh, social distancing and all that but you know there was just that feeling of saying that you know what I, i'm going to use my job here yeah, this thing of working from home so 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 come now i mean last week uh, i received you know a, a letter of retrenchment to say that you know what your position is redundant you know uh, we don't think that we we no longer need you then i said so in summer in 2020 you lose <laughs> you lose a marriage and then you also lose a job and obviously if you lose a job i mean i'm going to lose a lot of things i'm going to lose the house i'm going to lose this already i've lost my pension fund and all that so yeah i just wanted to comment on that about 2020 and the issue of uh, relationships and all that but uh, i think what i've learned is is to always respect you know a decision that you know someone else take is taking you understand Uh, that you know that we're not needed. I mean, it, it, it doesn't it doesn't help at all. You get what I'm saying? I mean, I'm talking about what you know, um, a 15 year relationship, and um, a seven years of marriage. You get what I'm saying? So you know, most the ladies when they you know tasted other things somewhere, seen different things and all that. You know, they're not shy to say that you know what? Hey, man, bye bye. We'll see you. Understand? So those are the things that I've had experienced. You know, in 2020, but still. Um, uh, and 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 I'm gonna mention God. So that, you know what? Uh, I I I I thank Him for for being there with me because uh, I'm not bitter at anyone. I'm I'm not toxic at anyone. In an actual fact, I said to myself that you know what? I think it's time to reset because uh, I've been working in one industry for for the past 20 years. I'm old, guys. I'm 39 years. So I've been in an industry for for for, for the past 20 years. You get what I'm saying? So. I think, you know, he's just telling me that, you know, it's time to reset, you know, it's time for you to look into um, other ventures of, of, of life because, I mean, there's another, what, 20 years ahead of me. Uh, and I think I, 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 yeah, I just need to make, you know, the remaining 20 years as, 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 as yeah, the remaining 20 years to be like, you know, yeah, to change them. And yeah, that's, yeah, that's my two cents. <laughs> Thank you, Kentridge. Uh, <laughs> I don't even know if, if it was Olympics of who has the worst 2020, I think you are getting the gold medal so far. I, the year is not even over. I hope uh, this month is going to be a turnaround because yeah, you've been through a lot. Uh, but be, before I go to Mongezi and Kay, let me also have Zianda. I know uh, just to have more inclusion with both genders in, in this discussion as we move to other topics. Uh, Zianda, you raised your hand. Yes, I felt like throwing in one for the ladies, <laughs> you know. Um, yeah, I think the, the question resonates with me deeply because it's, it's my belief that humans have the same relational needs, you know, at the bottom. Um, although we may frame it differently in terms of what they look like when they're being acted out. 
but it's, it's been my experience that people want security, people want safety, people want acceptance, you know, and it's all people. But you know how they interpret that when it's being acted out is completely different, you know, because behavior is learned and we've all learned different behavior. Um, and I'm going back to what Letu has said, you know, you know, I speak about this ridiculously on the channel, I sound like a parrot, that people can read your mind, you know, it doesn't matter exceptionally, they're attuned to you. People cannot read what you think and where you've been and how you interpret the world and how you view reality. So communication is necessary. You know, I don't think there's a word we, it's my belief that we really like abused the word toxicity in 2020. Like we went for it, you know, and used it as the blanket word for nearly everything. Like people piss you off and they toxic, you know, you bosses step on your toes and this work environment is toxic. You know, we listen, we went, we went in. Um, and for me, I, I like being definitive and being, being descriptive in terms of what you have done so you can fix that one thing. You know, toxic is such a blanket. Are you disrespectful? Are you rude? Are you violent? What, what do I mean exactly when, when, I'm, when I'm saying you talk? So that's literally my relationship gold card. People can read your mind. People can, cannot read your mind. You know, you've got the responsibility to communicate to the other person what's going on in your mind. And the beauty of communication is that it brings you closer to the truth. Because if I've told you this is what I'm expecting and you don't do it, then it becomes explicit that me and this dude are not on the same page. He knows re for real, real what this looks like for me. He's blatantly refusing to do it. But when you don't communicate and you expect that they should know, when they don't do it, there's that gray line that did they not do it because they don't give a shit or they didn't do it because they don't know that that's what they're supposed to do. And you always know in this ambiguity of maybe, I don't do well in maybe, and I believe most ladies don't do well in, in maybe, you know. So I think we should have that respect that everyone's got relational needs. Everyone's got an experience they want to have in a relationship. But because we're different, it's, it's up to you to communicate to the other person what that looks like in practicality. How do they act that out? You know, for instance, security is a universal relationship need. We all want to feel secure in a relationship. For a male, that may mean security looks like you're not going to humiliate me, embarrass me, disrespect me in front of my friends. That may make them feel secure in a relationship to know that their dignity is protected. For a female, it means I don't want you to give my experiences with you to another lady. That is security, what it means down here. <laughs> very, very different. That experiences I have with you must be special. We want to feel like in the hierarchy of things that I implement, I rank very high and other people must know that. That's my understanding of security. I don't just want to know it. I want you to show it to others. That you know that that's what it is. But someone else may try to protect me from physical harm and they think they're giving me security. Like, no, 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 that's not what I want. But people don't know that, you know. Um, we've, we term things differently. Love means something different. Security means something different. Safety means something different. And it's, it's the onus is on you to buy yourself spaces where that is communicated, you know, so you can know quickly and soon if such spaces can accommodate your relational needs or not. But we've got, we've got a deficit when it comes to communication that we expect people to, to magically figure us out. And that's just unfair on both male perspectives and female perspectives. Males don't talk typically. I know that's a blanket statement that's unfair, but generally they don't, you know, they avoid conflict. So the more this conversation will be texting, they opt out of the conversation most of the time. Um, especially 
very con conventional and conservative type of brought up males. You know, they, they don't talk a lot, which is unfair because they think a lot and they act a lot on the stuff that they think of, you know, and they didn't bring you up to speed in terms of what is going on in your head and what is accounting for your behavior. You know, they just, no niggas blow my mind all the time. I'm like, <laughs> are you going to, what's going on? And ladies talk a lot. It's, it's a mess. And if we could just converse with one another, I think we'd, we'd navigate this better because we need each other. And evidence shows that we want each other around. So can people not act like that? They don't need other people, but talk to them. Tell them how to live alongside each other in peace. Because, you know, we want humans around us. We want to connect with them, but it doesn't need to be an uncomfortable experience. Thanks. I know I'm being stupid when it comes to males, but... <laughs> um, oh, well. I'm sorry to that. <laughs> it's okay, it's okay. Um, I think that's, that's a really insightful part. Uh, the fact that we can't read minds. And that's, I think that's one thing I can definitely relate to. Um, maybe to progress the discussion, I know Kay and... Mongezi have raised their hands. So let's have the, both of them contribute Mongezi first and then Kay. And then we can also bring in a new dynamic regarding social media and how it affects our mental health. And I can start with Asanda there. But Mongezi and Kay. Thanks, Peter. Um, yo, no, after, after, after Kenridge, I really don't know uh, how we. <laughs> How we can speak without sounding, uh, you know, trivial, but yeah. Uh, but on a on a on a very light note, um, I watch I watch a lot of uh, comical philosophy. That is stand-up comedy. I just like to call it comical philosophy to make it a bit more serious, but it's really not. And um, uh, Chris Rock once said, "Now with uh, regarding the dynamics of relationships, you know." Very light note. Chris Rock says that, you know, there are two things that can be loved unconditionally, and that is a baby and a dog. A man is only loved insofar as he can provide something. He says, he says when, 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 you know, ladies go and they talk in the circles when they discuss us and how to, you know, topple us. <laughs> yeah, he says, uh, when they speak, uh, if Zianda goes to Asanda and says, hey, Chomi, you know, I met uh, this guy and he's so cool. The first question that Asanda is going to ask is not where does he live? Uh, you know, what does it look like? It's what does he do? What does he do, Zianda? So the understanding is that uh, Asanda wants to see Zianda progressing from the level at which she's at to another. Yeah, I understand. And therein they comes, you know, uh, commodifying relationships. We see this a lot on social media and we like to, you know, scroll past it. But then we know it's true. It's a reality that, you know, uh, right there at the upper echelons of, you know, relationships where ladies select who they want to go out with are guys that are financially comfortable, you know, guys that have, you know, the financial muscle to, because ladies like comfort. It's 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 not it's not derogatory to say that. It's not ladies like comfort and they like convenience. So insofar as you can provide for that convenience and you can provide for that comfort, 
my brother, you're up there by the shelf. And then the rest of us, we are, we are there. Yeah, I understand. So I, I, yeah, I thought, I thought that, and that is, that is not, you know, a bad thing because as guys, we also like, you know, comfort and convenience. I can say this confidently that when me and my friends speak nowadays, you know, when you, when you approach a lady or when you have prospects of developing something with a lady, you know, we're going to ask you, you know, like, like, what does she do? Like, so that she does not come and add, you know, stress on top of the stress that you already have. And that is also us vying for comfort and vying for, uh, um, for convenience. It's just that we like to, you know, downplay it a bit. And ladies are very overt about it. That's why we call them gold diggers and whatnot. But then really what they just want is comfort and convenience. So if you can't provide that, my brother, you must you must come here with us and we'll just watch the rest of the guys do the thing. <laughs> Thanks, Mongezi. And then lastly, Kay, and then you can also then progress to the second part, third part of the conversation. Kay, what is your... <coughs> Sure, thanks, man. Hey, you, you, you guys have you guys have woken me up, man. The things that you guys have been saying. Aye, 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 aye. First and foremost, I wanna I wanna clarify something um, on my behalf. Guys know how to talk. We just do not know how to talk about our feelings. That's one thing you must understand, and that's how it is. When I'm with my friends, I talk, man, and I talk a lot. Even with my female friends, I do talk because talking is easy, especially as a guy. You wanna be heard. You know, and being heard is actually very important because, you know, what's in your mind and your plan, you want it to be out there and then the person can work with it. That's, that's, that's done. I'm, I'm, I'm clearing that out, guys. And number two, women, ladies out there, even me, I want something. Even me, I have standards. I want a girl who does one, two, and three. Just like how you guys are out there saying, hey, I want a man who works. Nina, I want a girl who works. Just like how you're saying, I want a girl, I want a girl who does something. Because at the end of the day, we've got our demands, we've got our requests, and that's what we expect. That's how it is. But the, the very unfortunate thing out of all of this is how society is portraying a lot of things, um, saying that men are like this and women are like that. But you have to know yourself well enough to know where you stand as a person. So you can't expect a person to be different in according to you. So for example, you're going to meet a guy, but you want the guy to do one, two, and three. If the guy doesn't do that, leave him. He doesn't want to do that. It ends there, you know? And for me, being um, being in a relationship for over three years, I, I really know how a toxic relationship can start. And it starts off by a simple mistake in the relationship that is going to build on to that and it's going to be alive. Because I think women hold on to things for too long. You must let it go. I'm sorry. I made a mistake. It's okay. But you see, the toxicity is going to be part of that, that you hold on to that. But no one is here telling us that, hey, guys, women must let things go. Because no one is saying that. Why, why isn't anyone saying that? I'm going to say it. Because it's the truth. Even I've got my problems. Cool, guys are stubborn. Guys are probably single. Ma- okay, no, let me speak on my behalf. Sorry, other guys. I know maybe other guys are different. I'll speak on my behalf. I am single-minded. I know what I want. I know what I want to get. If you don't give it to me, I'm going to have a problem. I will tell you. But if you can't provide it after that, what must I do? Must I stay or must I go? At the end of the day, that's the very same way a woman should look at a relationship. You mustn't be with a guy because of what he can provide, what he can't provide. Already, you, you're already losing the plot of love because that's not love. I mean, even I want to stay with someone who's got a house. I also want to do that. I don't want to work. I want a woman who's going to pay for my, for, my, for my debt 
and pay for my car. I would also want that, but what's going to happen? I'm a, I'm a what? You know? But anyway, sorry, man, I'm just going on a tangent. I'm just feeling very emotional because, hey, guys, life is tough out there. But yeah. <clears throat> mm. Yeah, okay. No, I'm done, Peter. Cool. Uh, I've said my two cents, bro. K for president. <laughs> <laughs> thanks, guys. Uh, thanks, K. Uh, Monkeys, I saw your message. Don't worry. Um, now, nah, I think maybe we can move. <laughs> um, yeah, that's, that's, I, I think we probably never end on this issue regarding love, and it's a complicated one. Uh, but I think just to navigate to another separate issue, which I think is related to the initial discussion regarding love, relationships, but also our own personal well-being. And that's something all of us probably use and are using right now, and that's social media. And I want to discuss what is our relationship regarding social media and how it affects our mental state. Um, we obviously are in a global world where you can literally engage with someone who's living across the world. You have easy access to so much information. The internet is so available to you. At the same time, it does have a positive and also a negative effect. And I want to examine exactly how each of us experience that. And maybe let me start with Asanda. Um, obviously, we we're just talking about relationships and on social media, what's popular is the relationship goals, um, hashtag Bay. Um, you also see people posting about how successful they are and almost it makes you internalize and looking at yourself and saying, what about me or how come I'm not on that level? So I want to ask you in terms of social media, what is your relationship with social media and in context with your own personal mental state? What is your take on that? Thanks, Peter. Um, wow, social media, for me, it's so easy to get lost in it. It's so easy to look at your peers and be like, look at my own journey and like, where am I? You know? and it's so easy to compare yourself to um, them. And but it's, it's really important to also remember that you have to go walk your own journey and to like participate in your own unfolding because there's so much to you. And with the hashtag relationship goals, my goodness. Um, I was saying they give me life, <laughs> but at the same time, it's, there's, so much, like, there's so much that we don't know. Um, there's so much more that goes on behind that relationship. And just because what you see on um, Insta doesn't mean it's, they're just showing us a glimpse of how they feel at that specific time, but it's not like an ongoing thing. They have the, obviously their fights and everything. I remember with, um, I don't know if you guys know about the situation with one of the influencers, Cyan Guji, I don't know if you guys know. Um, she's like um, an influencer and she has like a YouTube channel with um, with her boyfriend. And then recently she posted on Twitter about um, being abused. And so just, it just goes to show that there's so much more that we don't know and what we see. So just um, continue your own walk and yeah, that's how I would take it. Asanda, I know Ayanda, you raised your hand. Um, I don't know if it's in the same dynamic as Asanda was talking about. Um, switch on your mic. Yes, yes, yes. Yes, Peter, thank you. Um, yeah, I just want to touch on uh, social media as well and relating to our mental state. 
Yo, bro, it's tough, bro. Social media is tough, guys. Uh, this thing called Twitter. Yes, us. Twitter is a... What can I call Twitter? Twitter is a bunch of people mad about nothing. It's so crazy. Because now you just... Lo- and, and, and thing with me, um, Twitter is a blessing and a curse because now Twitter provides so much information and it keeps you updated about, you know, uh, what's this, the, the direction where society is headed at. And, 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 and as, a, as a global citizen, it, it's very important for, uh, for you to be within that fabric so that you can be relevant in whatever you're doing. So it's very important because of that. But now, Twitter's very, hey, this word toxic as well. It's, it's, it's overrated. Okay, Twitter's very, uh, what can I say? Twitter, okay, it's just toxic. <laughs> I was just saying, Twitter's very toxic. Because now everybody's just mad, bro. Like, you can go into Twitter and just ask a question, maybe a decent question. Uh, I don't know, man. Maybe just ask what time is the president speaking tonight? And then you just got to get, get a wave of response of people being mad at you for not knowing that. It's like, what the hell is going on, you know? But, you know, it, it, it's a blessing and a curse. But, you know, uh, I try to extract what I, whatever I can extract from it. That's good. You know, there's a saying that says, take the good with the bad or throw the ba- baby out with the bathwater. So we just have to live with, you just have to live with it, bro. Like, you can't not be on social media today. Well, that's the truth. If you want to be, uh, what you call, what you, what's known as woke, or, or knowing what's, what's good and what's, get, what's bad in society, you have to keep up with social media. The, the, that's, that's the way I see it. And then Insta is just fucking crazy. Sorry for, for, for swearing, guys. <laughs> Insta is just so much pressure, because I'll tell you about my, my little sister. My little sister, she's joined Insta. She's nine, she's, she's, Born in 2000. Okay, she turned 20 this year. She, she joined Insta last year, maybe last year at this time. You know, and ever since then, I've been getting a lot of messages from her. Ayanda, can, can you buy me? Can you buy me this, uh, this tackies? Can you buy me this track pants? Uh, can you, there's just so much more she needs now that she didn't need before uh, Instagram, understand? And, you know, for, for, for us, well, I'm 28, you know, there's some things you can control in terms of like your, your mind is going to be like, okay, Insta is just for showing off, I guess. But, you know, for, for, for kids out there, they, they, there's a lot of, um, you guys, we all know, there's a lot of twerking, there's a lot of this and that on Instagram. They, they want to they wanna emulate that. They want to wear the, all those clothes. And, and I think it's really, uh, you know, definitely for, 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 for like kids, understand. So I don't know, that's my take on Insta. Uh, well, social media, and obviously there's a lot of pressure it provides. Uh, it, it it provides to us because a lot of you, you know you see your peers. Yesterday I was just on Instagram, and this one of the this girl that I went to varsity with, she just bought a, a brand new uh, AMG A215, and I'm like, what the hell? How how did you do it? You know, but hey, man, <laughs> people have their own, you know, paths, you know, and, you know, it's just the pressure it, it, it gives. And then lastly, on relationship goals, as Asanda said, that was a very good point raised by Asanda, because it did say that you only see what's happening in the picture, but you, you don't know what's going on, you know, in the background. You know, a couple of weeks, um, couple, couple, two, two weeks ago, three weeks ago, uh, 
you know, issue of Will and Jada and that kid who was in August. You know, all of us thought that Will and Jada had the perfect relationship. Just to find out that, you know, you know, Jada's been, you know, in, in you know, been in entanglement with a kid. Understand? You know, what happened to Kanye, Kanye West and Kim? Well, we didn't know exactly how bad it was between them, but you remember Kanye's rant, uh, was it a week ago? Now it looks like Kanye's been trying to divorce Kim for the, for the longest time. You know, so, so you just never know what's really going on until, you know, she needs a fan. You'd be, you'd be like, oh, God, you know. So, yeah, that's, that's my take on social media and, and, uh, yeah, and so forth, guys. Thank you. Thanks, Ayanda. Um, let me go to Hanzo Evans. He was the least last person who spoke. Uh, then I can go to Led to um, Zianda and K. Oh, thanks, uh, Pete. Um, it's interesting, the topic you just brought is probably more um, philosophical than uh, uh, we realized, or maybe it's just me. Um, there's a time, I, I don't know if you remember, back in the time when we, when we used to work at the same uh, office space, uh, when we had that argument about uh, technology, and then you mentioned that uh, Technology itself isn't bad. Um, it's the use of it that's, that's, that, that actually creates uh, toxicity, uh, since that's the prevailing word for today. Um, so, yeah, I, I agree with that. It's not social media itself. I don't think it's a bad thing. It's the use of social media that ends up making it bad. And maybe that's why they're trying to find ways to regulate it in America and whatnot, but yeah, um, I just feel that we people should people should just there's I, I think you've heard you, you guys also know about this whole cancel culture uh, behavior. So for me, that's been probably one of the most toxic things to come out of social media because I don't believe in I don't believe in that that we we try to find ways to. Um, uh, cancel someone just because of events in the past. I know people should be accountable for their actions and whatnot, but it's getting to a stage now for me that it's almost borderline ridiculous that people scroll back 10 years back or whatever years back to find something, one thing someone said wrong in the past and that should now be, they should now be canceled from whatever they're doing or whatever. Um, so it's for me, it's the users uh, and definitely the regulators of this uh, thing that is social media and how it touches upon, um, I think that's, that even shows how it touches upon our mental health is these kids who are growing up or seeing these things and they, they literally stake their lives on social media. I've, my younger brother, uh, he thinks he's the coolest thing on the planet. Uh, so his Instagram is filled with posts of him uh, taking the greatest shot with the greatest light and with the fanciest caption that they can find. And then he, then he posted for all the, his ladies to uh, applaud him and show him how great he is. Um, but for me, that's, for me, that's even a very naive uh, mindset to have. No, I, I don't think it's bad for him to, to do that and whatnot, but it screams that 
the question becomes, I even jokingly say to him, uh, so before COVID, that is, I was like, when last did you even have a, a, a random conversation with a girl or anything? You're busy on social media with uh, probably over 400 friends, but in real life, uh, do you have actual, any actual real girlfriends that you talk to? Do you get what I'm saying? And I think that social media is now, is now is affecting younger kids uh, to a greater extent just because they're, they're using it to base their identities out, off of this thing. And it's, it's going to ruin them when they realize that people don't really care what you are or how you are on social media. Most people really care about the genuine a real bond you make with them in, uh, in reality when you are in a physical um, uh, uh, surrounding with them. Um, yeah, uh, that's just my thoughts with regards to social media and uh, its effect on our mental health as a people. Yeah. Thanks, Tafadza. Um, I know Letu, Zianda, and Kay raised their hands. Let me start with Letu. Uh, I know you raised your hand quite quick while Zianda was speaking. Um, uh in a particular area regards to social media. Yeah, so I got, I got very excited um, when the mention of social media came up because um, I've, I've just got a recent experience that I, I wanted to share um, with, with the group. Um, so I'm, from a personal perspective, this is just my personal you know, point of view. I'm not a huge fan of social media. Um, even like in the past, I've actually never been on Instagram. I've never been on Twitter. I've only ever had Facebook. And uh, it would always bother me um, having to go out there and share my life with people that I, I'd met and I'd known, but I, I don't think I was, I'm ever the same person I am on a personal like face-to-face -face level versus the person I am on social media. Um, even back in Boston, I remember I'd have, I'd have um, phases where I'd just completely go off grid because it would get so overwhelming. I remember I was at a point in my life where I think I was repeating second year or something, and it was so heartbreaking having to see all of those graduation posts and you're just still there like, oh, my word, when am I going to finish school? So um, from that point onwards, I just, I, I, I don't think I... I don't think I've had a very good relationship with social media. Um, I've, I've never seen it as um, a good thing for myself personally. Um, but with the coronavirus and everything else, I found that recently I was more on my phone and on socials more than like my time on my phone had increased. Um, you have this app that tells you how much time you've spent on your phone and on your screen, screen time. And I've seen it, it increased a lot with this coronavirus and, and it was affecting me negatively, right? I, I got to a point where last week I decided I'm going to even delete Facebook. And one of the things that I was worried about was not getting the information that it, because it does give you good information at, at times, you know, you know, you get to know what's happening around you. Um, but I found that even that information, as informative as it was, it wasn't doing anything good for my well-being because it was always bad news, people dying, the economy, the recession, you know, it's, it's for the past month 
and then there was gender-based violence. It, it, it hasn't been feeding my soul. And so I decided to take a break from it. And I found that it, it helped me a lot also to decide what I wanted to take in. And I, I, it, I, it was almost addictive because I just, in as much as Facebook is not wild, guys, I just spent time on Facebook just scrolling and I actually downloaded it again yesterday. But when I got back, I was just like, but I haven't really been missing out on anything. Um, people are still posting stuff about their lives. People, like, people are still getting married. People are still dying. People are still celebrating stuff. Life is going on. And, you know, it's, it's like, in fact, more people are getting the virus. And it's still like, there's still bad news. There's still good news. Um, but a decision that I've, I've deliberately made is to decide what to take in and what not to take in. Um, so, for instance, with like, if I need to get updated on the latest news or whatever, I've got the EWN app or whatever, and I make a decision at least once a day to go see, okay, this is what's happening, you know, so I don't get so left behind because there is a possibility of getting left behind, but sometimes you have to decide what is more important. Is, is it just information that you're not even doing anything about in certain instances? Like, there's all of the people dying. Like, what, what, what are you, what, how does it, impact you at the end of the day. At the end of the day, you go to bed, you're there on your own, and you've been feeding off all of this information that hasn't really been helping you mentally. It's, I feel like it's, for me, that, that's just been my experience in the past few weeks, um, which made me decide to just go off grid completely. Even like with WhatsApp, I've literally muted everyone's statuses. So I decide when I want to go see it. I decide how much of it I, 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 I want to see and then, you know, consume. And then I put a stop to it at some point. So I think, um, yeah, I, I don't think my relationship with social media is that great. Um, and I've made deliberate decisions to decide what to take in and what not to take in. Thanks, Letu. Um, I, I was speaking with a cousin lately and she was talking about how she's been really addicted to YouTube since um, the pandemic started and, I remember she was telling me it was, she's not someone who likes clicking on videos. She likes watching TED Talks and motivational gospel videos. And she was going through some new South African YouTubers and she saw a title about some girl had a story time about how she was dribbled or something. And, you know, and for her, she just ended up in a loop. She was just watching so much content that for her, she just didn't understand how she got into that space. And I think I almost related, not in a particular sense of YouTube, but in the sense of Twitter or Facebook, you know, you just, once you get to start scrolling, it just becomes a loop. Um, but that's my own personal experience as well. Um, let's have Zianda, then we can have K as well. And then we can also close off to the last topic because uh, obviously time is a factor. Uh, Zianda. Hi, thanks. Thanks, Peter. Um, I think, you know, my lessons from, from socials have been such a double-edged sword, you know, um, but I've also come to take the responsibility that you don't see any of that if you don't make yourself available to it. You know, there's no way it can jump um, and come find you. You know, you need a device, you need to log in. All of them need such great intentionality from you um, in, in order to have access to it. So there's always that onus on each person that you decide which influences you make yourself available to. You know, um, uh, it's very addictive, you know, there's almost instant reward to it as well. So it's, it's, a, it's an addiction to monitor because there's an instant feel good 
um, experience um, to it and like all things that are pleasant, you know, you gravitate more and more and more towards it. But yeah, it's been such a deliberate talk of boundaries with me to be like, it doesn't come at you. You know, you're the one that logs in. It didn't do anything. It's there and you decide how much of it to consume and when to consume it. And I should monitor my own drivers behind that behavior. And similar to Leto, that's what I've done as well by streamlining my need to be on the socials and making sure you are intentional about how you feed that need. I have the need to keep abreast with what is going on because I speak on it frequently, so I don't want to sound misinformed. But, you know, stats will be released by 25 different platforms. It's still the same stats, you know, from World Health Organization. You don't need to read all the 20 things about the stats. So choose one thing that will update you about how many people are new cases today, but you'll see that I'll watch News Africa, I'll watch, you know, um, healthism platforms and I'll watch Twitter and they're still saying the same stats. So it's not new, the condition has not worsened, but I'm the one who has increased um, how, multi, how many multiple times I've exposed myself to the same stimuli, you get me? And then I feel like so many people died, but no, it was the same figures, you know, over and over again, but I'm the one who read it on three different gadgets on five different media houses. And then I feel saturated, like, oh, it's too much news. But no, if I just read one, and if I need to keep emotionally connected, because I mean, now that we're physically distant, I have a greater need to touch base with what's going on with my friends and the people that I love. And socials are helping with that. But I have the same friends on Facebook that I do on WhatsApp, that I do on Twitter. I don't need to touch base with my friends on all the platforms. So I've chosen to retain just WhatsApp. But also, if you run an enterprise and, and now we need money and you need to be creative about how you're going to make that money, social media is, is that tool that just forces you to go where your market is. You know, you don't have a choice. You may hate it, but your customers love it. And that's where they add. So if you need to go touch base with your customers, you have to. But even that, if it's for the enterprise, then only enterprise behavior must necessitate your login to there. There's no need for you to expose yourself. It's, it's opportunity. Opportunity for anything will always be there but you don't have to take the opportunity. And yeah, I'm, I'm struggling. I don't want to lie. It's a constant everyday thing to touch base with myself that you, you don't have to make yourself available. The data is there. Do you want the data? What are you going to do with it? Can you manage it? Do you have the capacity? And every day I have to just tap myself on the shoulder that that was excessive, that was unnecessary. You know, um, and, and we don't authenticate social media. That's our deficit. Those a lot of what is there is not real. Those unreal relationships, you know, we didn't nurture and build them. Then we get super pissed when people show us that they're toxic, but you don't know them. Why did you expect them to not be toxic? You know, it's a bunch of keyboard warriors that you've never met. But because we have this need to belong now, you think just because you're on the same anti-racist group, you're friends, just because you all hate racism. Then when you realize that they're pedophiles, you're like, how dare you? like you don't know them what do you mean how dare they <laughs> you don't know them <laughs> so i think you know we were desperate for for soulful things that we're starting to mistake things that look like it you know for it we think these groups that we honor our friends those people and our friends you know and we get really hurt when we figure out that these people don't give two shits about you they don't know you <laughs> they will not hesitate to cancel you you know because they have no attachment to you you didn't build any trust with them it's not a betrayal. They don't care. You know, they don't care. So authentication is so important. Those things aren't real. Most of them aren't real. It's a three-second good picture and a brilliant lighting on a really great smartphone. That's not how they look. You know, you don't look like that every day. We've all got, like, ugly days that you look yourself in the mirror and you're like, this isn't your best day. 
but those pictures don't make it to the socials, you know? So you find yourself, you're so troubled by effort of someone to look their best and you compare it to your worst day that, you know, people have great lashes, they've got their brow game on point, but nobody wakes up with a good brow game. That's not a, a real thing. <laughs> but those pictures haunt us. And personally, I'm not on Insta. Insta is the pits. I decided I'm gonna see this nonsense that makes me feel like I'm a substandard human. <laughs> you know, everyone is rich on Instagram. Everybody's bed is made, you know? <laughs> and my bed is not always made. And sometimes I eat sandwich and peanut butter, you know? But food on Insta is next level. Beverages are next level. You know, the fucking sunlight is next level. <laughs> Just like, where do I live? You know, so no, um, I'm not on Insta. I cannot, my self-concept cannot cope with it. <laughs> I cannot. So I'm on Twitter because, you know, the business demands it. Um, and I'm on Facebook because I'm attached. I've been on Facebook forever. High school friends are there. Old people are there. I find out who's married there, who who's doing a new thing. It's it's the closest I can do to interpersonal contact. Uh, but yeah, it's a tough game there by socials. Um, and Twitter is obviously madness. Like, I, I have no words for Twitter. It can go south so quickly. When it works for you, it really works. And when it goes south, you lit they can literally ruin your entire life. Thanks, Yanda. Um, I was actually laughing at the fact that you said even the sunlight looks different on on, on Instagram. You start wondering... I even had the thought that it, is, is there like a bank giving out money that I'm not aware of because people are living such lavish lifestyles and you wonder what's going on. Uh, but Kay, let's have your last contribution and you can move to the last part. Right, cool. Thanks, Peter. Um, first and foremost, uh, I just want to start by saying when you've got a social media account, you are asking for it. And when I say you're asking for it, there's people out there who are going to see you and whatnot. It's, it's basically a lifestyle people present to themselves. But the only thing that bothers me is that they get surprised um, by opinions from other people. I mean, if you're on social media, someone's going to become part of your business. You're posting your stuff, man. That's, that's one thing you need to take it with. And I think for people who are on it, they, they need to have a mental capacity of their own in, their, in themselves. You know, I mean, you can't go onto social media when you can't control yourself. That's, that's basically shooting yourself in the foot. You know, so you have to know yourself. Some people can, some people can't. But um, for the lady or ladies that are here or not here, can you just raise your hand if you can disagree or agree with me that you use social media to investigate your future or potential partners? Am I lying or not? Can I raise your hands? You don't. Personally speaking, um, from from the, the, the experience I've had from my friends, they always, I've always believed, and I do know that a woman would check a guy's social media just to check the type of person he is. What has he been doing? Where did he go? Has he traveled? Does he have money? Because physically, you can't speak to the person. Social media is that basic, that basic platform that is out there for people if you do share your life. So for example, like me, who obviously joined Instagram um, a few years ago, I only joined it because... I thought I was great. I thought I was good looking. I thought I was this and that. And then when you don't get the likes from people, then you're like, hey, maybe I'm not good enough. And already that is already affecting me and how I see people. So already my mental capability was not in the right place. Hence why I've grown out of it. I started posting things about what makes me happy and who I am. If you like it, you like it. If you don't like it, you don't like it. That's your choice. Because we're living in a world that we communicate through social media. That is how we communicate. It's basically 
a form of communication and it ends there. So like you guys have mentioned, people do abuse it. That's a, that's a guaranteed fact. People don't know how to, uh, they don't even use it the right way because I do recall someone had posted something and then before it was taken off because it was the wrong thing. It was the wrong standard because already, even though you post something out there in society, society has got a limit of what is right and what is wrong. So already, you're already confined in a small bubble of how to do specific things and certain things and how you give power to someone else, even though they don't have it. I mean, right now, just because of this Jada Will situation, how many people out there are in entanglement? How many people out there get cheated on? How many? Even your neighbor's happening, it's happening to your neighbor right now, but you wouldn't know because it's not out there. They're not in a social light. So it's not about the type of person you are. It's really about your mental capability and if you're able to handle social media. I think that's basically it. You know, um, I also felt different, you know, there's a time when I was not on Instagram. Someone asked me, are you on Instagram? I'm like, no, ah, you're on Instagram. I kind of felt bad. But then when I got onto it, it was, okay, it's just social media. So I think also you're surrounding the type of people that you surrounded yourself with. Um, you know, um, yeah, I think, I think I've covered everything. But with regards to social media and the mental health, it, it, does, it does vary from different people to people. Um, I must say social media is, is a very powerful tool. It's, it's basically making millions for people out there. Some people got jobs on social media instead of actually working. I wish I was that type of person. Um, I'm eventually going to get there, believe it or not. I'm, I'm tired of working for people. I just want to just be in front of a phone and make money. I think that's the easiest lifestyle you can have. But yeah, I think that's basically my view on social media. Thank you. Uh, I think we've covered enough in regards to social media. Um, I won't lie, it is quite detrimental in some ways and it also is positive. I mean, some of us maybe try to push our side hustles on social media, try to share our talents on social media, and it does reinforce that there are people who can actually sympathize or actually like what you do, whether it's you make content or you share your views, people may appreciate that. Although typically there's a negative aspect as well. Uh, but I think that's in regards to social media. But now I think just to move to the last topic and maybe each person can speak on this before we wrap up. And that's the issue about, or not even the issue, the topic about healing. And, you know, you see on social media as we're speaking, um, people talk about, you know, when you share something and maybe it's a negative experience that you've gone through, the most typical response you get is heal, you know, like, and, you know, it's usually used in a negative connotation, like, you know, get over it or some kind of thing. Or, and I want to speak about, you know, as young black people, we've been through different experiences. And I want to understand your understanding of those experiences whereby healing has been required and how that looks like. Because I think we've been speaking about mental health all this time. And there's a point whereby we need to, actually progress you know you don't want to be living your whole life in the same state or going through loops of the same problems and there's a point whereby healing i think has to come into play and maybe we can discuss that in a way that we can wrap up this conversation uh, i know ayanda you raised your hand um, i'm assuming this is in the context of the topic about healing um, what does that what, do, what does that mean to you i mean you've been you, you've expressed earlier in the conversation about your relationship with your father over the past few years. Uh, but in general, what is your understanding of healing? And, you know, what does that mean to you? Yeah, uh, thanks, man. So I just want to <laughs> just laugh at uh, what you just said in terms of, like, I, I, see, I see a lot of it on Twitter. 
you know, you rant and rant and, and, and express yourself. Uh, oh, well, well, let me just say express disgust on a such, certain topic. And then one person is just going to come with one, one word, say hill, followed by a heart. Like, it's so frustrating. And, you know, okay, most common words on Twitter for 2020 have been toxic, uh, to heal, and uh, normalize. I, I think you guys have noticed that. It is so frustrating. But anyway, moving on. Uh, hey, hey, man, like, you know, uh, the, 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 the biggest step I took towards healing, uh, healing in 2020 was moving into my own apartment. Um, you know, just recently, it's been about two you know. So I'm really uh, starting to get back to my normal self. You know, I've started, you know, exercising again. I've started, you know, learning new things again. Um, you know, just reading different types of books. You know, just really being me again, you know, because there was really a time where, uh, as I said, that much of work, my dad's work or family work had consumed my lifestyle, you know. So now, you know, I'm really back on track. I've really got so much time on my hands as well, which allows me to explore different things. So for me, that's, that's a, a very big step towards healing. And obviously, we'll see how it goes. But it's been going great. Thank you. Thanks, Ayanda. Um, yeah. Sander, I know you left. Um, you lost a part of the conversation you were having earlier. Um, but in terms of healing, um, you've heard the question. You've heard what Ayanda had to say. What does healing look like to you? And maybe if I can add a new dynamic to the question. Um, when it comes to when you are going through something, um, what avenues do you use to actually deal with those, those issues? Do you rely on people? Do you rely on back on social media? Do you rely on prayer? What is that process look like in the context of healing? What avenues do you use? But answer it in whichever way you feel best. Um, okay. Well, in terms of healing, I struggle with defining what that necessarily is because it's usually um, a term that's loosely used in like the social media. And when I think of healing, I think of an actual physical wound. Um, and how that has a process in terms of healing. Um, so it's a little difficult to identify spaces in my life where I need to heal. But um, I would draw from the one, um, this one year where it was 2018, I think. Um, I, was, I was not in a good space. Um, I would say that I wasn't necessarily myself and I wasn't choosing to participate in life. And often I would just be in my own space, in my own room. And I feel like being alone, constantly being alone, is not necessarily good for your mind. And that healing process, for me, prayer helped the most. Because um, I feel like we, don't, we can't rely on our own strengths. And we can't depend on another person to pull us out in those spaces where we feel like you're overwhelmed or you're, you've dug yourself into a hole that you can't get out of. So for me, prayer has definitely been one of, our, one of my um, ways of healing and just choosing to participate again in life and taking on the small steps to um, finding myself again and building up from there. And what else can I do as a person? You know? um, yeah, so that's me in terms of healing. Yeah. Thanks, Asanda. I know Kay, you raised your hand. 
Um, what's your take on the, or what's 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 your experience with dealing with something and overcoming it? Because maybe that's the better way of phrasing it rather than just saying healing, because that's typically just a loose word. But when you've gone through something, what has been the process of which, or what has been your experience with overcoming that particular issue or challenge in your life? All right, cool. Thanks, man. <clears throat> I'm going to be honest, man. I cry. Um, I think crying has helped a lot. You know, let those tears come out. You know, and when I say crying, it can be internal. It can be, it can be I don't know how people put it, but it's really um, a place whereby I accept what the problem is. Once you accept the problem, you come up with a game plan as to how can I deal with it and how can I move past it. Um, that's basically how I, I, I generally deal with things. Um, even in some cases, I laugh a lot, try to laugh it off. Yeah, there's, there's no point of being serious all the time because um, there's a time my friend told me, you know, once, I don't know when it was, it was I think it was probably back at varsity, you know. I, I didn't do too well in my first year and I was like, flip, I messed up. And he told me, man, look, even though you feel sad and you cry, it's not going to change your results. You know, no matter how long you cry, it's not going to change anything. So in terms of that, I think the best way to, to heal, even for any person, is to accept what the problem is uh, and, get, and get ready to face it. Because putting your head, head under sand or trying to cover or close your eyes or block yourself from the world, it's not going to change the problems or situations. You know, uh, for me personally, uh, I've gone through challenges this year that I haven't gone through in my entire life. You know, I, I, I know, I know the, the life from rags to riches or from riches you know, from riches to rags kind of experience. And I know it because, you know, you can have a lot of things. You can have a car, you can have all of this. But I mean, when life doesn't go your way and you lose all of that, you know, you ask yourself, where's the way forward? How am I going to do it? And the best way to heal or fix out your problems is focus on you, you know, because I think you're going to heal. If I sit back and I'm like, oh, shucks, this guy's got a new car. This guy's got this. You're not going to heal if someone else is doing better than you because times are different for everyone. You know, someone else is surviving off the markets of trading because that's what they chose. Doctors are surviving because they're still working this time and period, but they're still getting paid. Other people out there who are working in finance, et cetera, et cetera, you had to be at home and you lost out on a lot. So someone else is losing or someone else is winning. So your healing is you. It's, it's what you are going through. It's not what other people are going to go through, how they deal with it. It's actually me. And as time has gone by, I've started to realize that, look, life is basically straightforward. It's either you like it or you don't like it. There's no in-between, you know? And it's either rough or it's smooth. If your life is going through term oil, brace it. Because let me tell you one thing, you're not the only one. There's thousands of people out there who are going through worse than what you're going through. That is one thing that also gave me strength and healing. That, look, I can lose today, but I can win tomorrow. Some people can go through your battle and give up completely, but you haven't. So you've got to take pride in, in your fight. You've got to take pride in who you are and take pride in where you're going. And when you do that and accept how things are, that's how you're going to heal. You know? But um, honestly speaking, there's no perfect out there. There's, there's, there's no right method of healing. No people assume there is. You know, it's really what you choose to do and how you want to get through your issues in your life. Everyone is struggling. That's basically how it is. Yeah. Thanks, Kay. Um... I think that's quite informative that everyone is not perfect. And I think that's a good input from your side. Um, let me then have Letu and Zianda can maybe wrap things up on her side um, with this topic. Uh, 
led to what is your experience with healing and what avenues have you used? Well, I, I'm, I'm trying to avoid using the word healing, but you know, when you go through something, what avenues have you used to you know, get yourself to a better state or to reset yourself to where you were prior to, to that event? Um, so healing for me, um, and I'm going to attribute where I am to this pandemic. And as much as we've been talking about how bad things are, um, it having happened has allowed me to really go through a lot with myself and sit with myself and, you know, introspect a lot. And um, one of the things that have happened, I know I'm, I'm not on socials, as I said, so some of these things come late to me, something like the word trigger. I've always had like my own definition of what it means. And I, to a certain extent, used to judge people for loosely using it. When they say, oh, this triggered me. Like, I, I feel like at some point it was um, abused, the word trigger. Having not understood it myself, um, what, that, what it actually meant. So in, in the past couple of weeks, um, I was having a conversation with my friend and we were talking about, I was complaining to her about my sister, my younger sister. I, um, so I'm, I'm telling her, to, you know, my younger sister is so closed up and she, she just doesn't want to open up to anyone in the family. And I don't understand why, because I feel like she had it way better compared to us elder kids, you know? She, so I lost my father when I was in grade one. And like a lot happened with that. And she never got to experience it. When she was born, um, there was a stepdad in the picture. And then she was like the glorious love child. So I was telling my friend, I'm like, I don't understand why this girl, my sister, is so closed up. And I understand what, what problems could she possibly have that she's just like, you know, what triggers her? Like, what's, what's wrong? I'm not understanding that. And my, and, and then my, my, my friend made me realize that, you know, we go through things, we go through life differently as people. Even if you see Ogutamunyamundu didn't go through the same pain that you went through yourself. You, you're not going to understand unless they open up to you and tell you, this is what is actually bothering you, Sharp. Um, but with that conversation I had with my flatmate, with my friend, um, the word trigger stuck to my mind. And I started thinking about my life and what trigger actually means to me. And Jay, what started unraveling was like my experiences. And I realized that I actually do get triggered as well. It's just, I've, I've, I've never understood the word. I've, I've, I've been blind to what being triggered means. And I've sort of closed it off when, when I get those triggers and not having dealt with what triggers me, where does it come from? What is the origins of, of this feeling? Why am I feeling like this? And um, one, of, one of the things that I thought about was my relationships with my friends and my family. And, and I, I just realized that forgiveness is very important. Um, having to forgive the other person because you know something's happened in your life and you, just, you hold on to those things for quite a long time and you think you're over it, but you're not because something small happens and you go right back to that moment, the origins of that feeling, you know, and forgiveness for me has been a vital thing. 
also in a sense, I think earlier on you spoke about how do we, when did we start seeing our parents as, as human beings? It's one of the things that have also been revealed to me recently to actually see my parents as human beings. Because I think growing up, we just think they're these superhumans that can just do everything perfectly and don't have mistakes. But what I've learned um, with my mom was that, you know, whatever decisions that she made in the past, she made them with the information she had at that point in time. She made decisions thinking, you know what, this is the best decision I can make right now. And some of which me as a kid, I didn't agree with, you know? And I've, I've come to realize she made those decisions as in this is the best, this is how I can deal with the situation. And having realized that, it, it sort of grown me up to see her as a human being and not just this perfect person that was just supposed to do this like this, you know? Um, so a lot of my healing has come from understanding what triggering means and understanding where certain, if I react a certain way, I can actually point it down to say, okay, you are feeling like this because of this. And um, this is actually why you've always felt like this about something. And you need to let it go. You need to forgive. You need to heal. And it's not something that you just decide once and be like, okay, fine, sharp. I'm going to wake up today. I'm all good. Um, I think it's something that happens over time and having to understand and, and, and be patient with yourself as well. I've, I've, I've had to be very patient with myself where, you know, you can feel like if something's going to post, something's going to remind you of that thing. It's like, oh, yes, you know, you, you get triggered. And, but gradually, because you understand where it comes from and you understand what tells you, it's not actually what it is. It's just you're still hurting from that old thing. Um, so for me, forgiveness has been very important in my healing journey. And um, yeah, just being kind and patient with myself and, and, and being open to um, acknowledging that, you know what, and got the Klupa for the longest of times. And just that, just acknowledging its existence has helped me you know, it's 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 it, it 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 certain things don't hurt because you know what you 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 know it's there and you know why you feel like this and you 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 I don't know acknowledging and forgiveness has has just has has just been my way of of, of healing and just dealing with things. I think. Thanks, Letu. Um, I think I can really relate to the fact that you know, like the way you spoke about you and your sister in relationship and you know, people, you have siblings or friends who, based on the way they've expressed or experienced life, you think there's no way this person can go through something bad or there's nothing, they can't go through something worse as I am because the way I've known them, they are, they, they typically are people who can be happy. But I think just to go to, the, to before I speak to, to Zianda about the last healing aspect, you know, even in my own personal capacity, all of you know when, uh, a few, my previous employer, which some of you are aware of, you know, how stressful that experience was working in a certain environment where it, it gets to you mentally and having a boss or people around you where there's so much pressure on you and at the same time your career is not growing so well and that affects you mentally and, you know, it's, it's quite hard to navigate some of these challenges that we experience as young people, whether it's financial, it's career growth, it's relationships, social media and so forth. Um, but I think such discussions are 
great to have because at least you can see that you're not going through these things alone. And that's the important thing about having such discussions. Uh, but lastly, I think Zianda, maybe if you can chip in on your experience with the process of healing and what it has meant to you. And just before you speak, uh, just so you guys know, Zianda has a YouTube channel called You Are Okay, which I'll link in the chat. Uh, so you guys can go check that out, which is in relation to our topic partially today. Uh, but Zianda, the floor is yours. Thanks, Peter. Um, so, with my healing journey, um, like I mentioned earlier, I'm a psychologist and I have a psychologist of my own, and that's been a very instrumental part of my healing journey, you know, to have that space and that relationship that's just specifically dedicated to helping me unpack my problems, especially because I sit on the other chair of other people's um, stuff. So I don't want to lie. Therapy has been my saving grace um, in not doing this healing journey all by myself and having a person that has sat through so many problems that is so competent in having the skill to help me problem solve much quicker and nurse my pain. It also contained it, you know, um, I could do it on a specific day within a specific time frame, then go on the other days to go deal with my life because I knew I had a designated space that was just devoted to looking at my injuries. And it made me calmer when I encounter new challenges because I don't have to act now. I know I've got this support base that I know on Wednesday, you know, I'm gonna, I'm gonna chat through this. You know, it's made me less impulsive. So it's protected me from further mistakes because I never act quickly because I, I know, okay, let me just run this with my therapist. It's been a beautiful journey for me because I went to therapy when there wasn't a crisis you know, which was transformative. Most bad things in my life happened while I was already in that space. And that's been beautiful for me to frame sources of help. Not that you, you, there's something wrong with you when, you when you go there. You know, I'm a big advocate of reminding people that fundamentally we're all okay. Experiences that are bad happen and they make us feel some type of way, but fundamentally we, we're all good, you know, and we encounter things here and there that aren't great, but there's nothing wrong with us. Um, so that was beautiful for me in that I think the pain I've then sustained has been less in severity because I wasn't alone when it was happening. And it's also protected me in making wise decisions that protected me from making further and, and further mistakes um, that I need to heal from later. And I think what I borrowed from Leto that has been a, a winning card is just the identification and the acknowledgement of the problem. It doesn't always need to be fixed, but I find such great relief when I know what it is, like when it has a name. So if you're grieving, it doesn't mean I'm going to heal now or tomorrow. Continue with the day, you get me. Um, because I know I'm nursing this pain and this is the nature of the pain. So acknowledgement has really been big to say, you tender here for a little while and this is the reason. So I, I feel so much better when I know what's going on, even if it's not yet gone, if I can just like have an understanding. So insight to me is healing. You know, if you can, if you can just make me understand what's going on, um, I feel good. And I think tailoring, you know, borrowing from what Kay has said, I've just surrendered, you know, to the fact that Life is seasonal, you know. Um, so I embrace my, my, my bad episodes, you know, and when I'm on my good episode, I embrace that too because I know this life thing is on and off for everyone. 
And that's so protective to know that it didn't single you out. There's nothing wrong with you as a human. This is the human race, you know, it's just a mess down here. And we all take our ten, turns in the winning and the losing. So I'm better now at surrendering to my losses, you know, um, that, hey, it's, it's your turn. Who, who deserves a loss? It's, it's, you know, you, you, you play your own race. It happens to ever. Nobody deserves it. You know, if you want pain to excuse you, where are you saying it must go? <laughs> who must experience it? So um, that, that's like my healing basket, you know, insight. Can I just develop insight in terms of what's going on? Am I feeling a loss? Am I traumatized? Um, am I disappointed in myself? And as soon as it has a name, I, I genuinely feel better. And I've just surrendered to the ups and downs um, of life and lowered my expectations of being of getting it right all the time. So if I get it right most of the time, I'm happy. I've given up on all the time. So when it dribbles me, I'm just like, hey, man, it's tough now. And you just hide your head and bow your head until the storm is over and you've got a better season. But that's my healing. Psychotherapy has been has been my number one. I don't think I'll ever get to a place of not wanting that relationship, even if I don't go frequently. But just having that relationship there that is dedicated just to my well-being is a resource that I think I'll keep for a very long time. Thanks, Leander. Um, I think one thing I've learned throughout this discussion is that um, acknowledgement of the things that you go through and you have to acknowledge you're not going to things and just let them take you at some point you have to accept importantly the fact that um so it's important for us to acknowledge the fact that we all go through different things and again i'm not an expert on mental health and i don't think most of us are or any of us are uh, but the most important thing I've learned through this discussion is that I'm not alone in what I go through. And most importantly, everyone else is going through other stuff in the individual capacities. And, you know, you see people on social media, they'll post dancing videos, TikTok challenges and all this stuff. And you think everyone is happy and you only find out through such discussions or through your own interactions with people that people have their own challenges they experience. And that's why I think such platforms are important to have, you know, and just have discussions. Um, they're not debates, they're not competitions or anything. These are just open discussions where we can be transparent about such things. Uh, but to be honest, thank you again for joining us uh, online. There are people who were, when they saw the topic, they immediately changed their minds about joining uh, the Zoom discussion. So I must say thank you if you are joining in today. Uh, there will be people who will probably join in on other topics, but this particular issue was a sensitive one, but it's a great one to have. So thank you all for joining in the discussion and I hope to see you guys on other discussions as well. Uh, but I see Kay, you're raising a hand. Uh, yeah. Of course, I want to find out, uh, Ziander, do you, do you have free lessons or for your psycho, psych, what, psycho what? Classes? <laughs> Can we come to you for help? <laughs> no, uh, they're not free. Unfortunately, the girls got to make money. Uh, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so no, um, I run a private practice. I used to work for free when I used to work for government, but then I branched out to private practice and unfortunately that business got to survive. Um, but yes, on the channel, I try to reach the people that can afford individual sessions by covering what I think most people are going through. So you can check it out and see if you resonate. Thank you very much. Appreciate it. Awesome. Thanks, Peter. 
I think on that note, I think we can end things off. Uh, but first of all, thank you again for joining. Uh, Kay, hopefully you can go through all those dishes. I don't know if you're eating alone there, but... Or, <laughs> but anyway... Thanks again, guys, and I hope you guys enjoy the rest of your week. I'll send you guys the link once I've done editing everything. Uh, enjoy the rest of your week, and thank you guys again. Thank you, Peter. Bye, guys. Thank you. Bye. <laughs>